Facebook announces that in order to stop the spread of misinformation, it will halt all new political ads in the week before Election Day, but that it would not take down existing ads. Despite being hailed as a victory for truth and justice in the American way, Facebook's decision, of course, comes down to lie early, lie often. Make sure you get those advertising dollars into us real early. And remember, Facebook will still accept rubles. It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. Uh, at least if up is still up and down is still down, I am. Thank you for joining us this week, 9-11 week. We commemorate a time when the greatest threat to America and Americans didn't come from the President of the United States and his supporters. On today's show, we will be talking about that very same President's interview with journalist Bob Woodward. And you know that had to have gone well. Also, we will be talking about professional athletes as role models. But first, we go back to our old reliable, starting with Court Watch. Watching the American court system, the as I've been saying for, for years, the single perhaps most underreported, well, that and climate change, underreported story of the Trump administration. That the Republican Party has been stealing our federal courts for many, many years. The party that continues to lose nationwide elections continues to fill our courts with apparatchiks. I have reported at length on this show about how they have been promoting the deregulatory and lower tax agenda that benefits Republicans and their wealthy clients and harms the entire rest of America, including the majority of the voting public. But now we're seeing how their, what used to be just a theft of money from the rest of us is starting to pay off in the theft of elections as well. And this is almost brilliant in a Dr. Evil kind of brilliant sense. The way this works here is that Republicans lose elections, but manage for either by hook or by crook or by screwed up electoral systems to nevertheless take political office. From there, they fill up our federal courts with their apparatchiks. Then our federal courts will hear cases about Republicans continuing to steal future elections. So the courts that they have loaded with their party hacks rule in favor of the theft of elections. So Republicans go on to steal more elections and put in more political hacks. Who let them steal more elections? Do you, do you see the circular logic here that's going? Circular logic that keeps spiraling and spiraling until it just results in the destruction of civilization, which is where we're heading. So there have been several court cases this week that shed light upon this evil agreement that the Republicans have with their judicial hacks in to help them steal elections. Florida couple of years ago, twice the voters overwhelmingly voted to restore voting rights to felons who have finished serving their sentences. 
Well, this is a problem for Republicans. Since the voters, Florida voters voted for this, this is a problem because the Republicans, of course, need to stop people from voting in order to be able to steal elections. That's part of the whole election theft strategy. In fact, it's kind of crucial to it. The Republicans have opposed these efforts to try to re-enfranchise voters because it will hurt them at the polls. On the theory from Republicans, basically, what is the point of making all of your black people felons if they're just going to be allowed to vote anyway? Well, after a district court had ruled against the Republicans' efforts to get around the wishes of the Florida public by requiring that anyone, in order to get their voting rights back, needs to have paid all court costs, fees, fines, anything that might be related to their ultimately getting convicted for a felony. Well, as you might guess, many of the people they've convicted of felonies, in many cases being railroad, railroaded into being convicted of felonies, do not have the money, they are indigent, they do not have the money to pay off all these fines, court costs, whatever. And some of them are doing it over a long period of time to the extent that they can. Well, Republicans have said, until you've paid off all your fines, you don't get your voting rights back. Which is not what the public had in mind. Well, district court said that that was basically the equivalent of an unconstitutional poll tax. What the ideological forebears of the current Republican Party were doing to stop black people from voting all across the South in this country up until the 1960s and the Voting Rights Act, and we got a little more enlightened there for a little while. Well, it turns out the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, in a 6-4 to decision, has overturned the district court's decision and has upheld these essentially poll taxes as being constitutional. In the six-judge majority from the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, five of the judges were Trump appointees. One of which, by the way, to really show how this circular logic, how this hand-washing hand goes, goes round and round and round, is someone who Donald Trump has let be known is on his short list of Supreme Court appointments if he gets another four years and basically gets to end this country. That wasn't the only court decision of the week that solidified Republican efforts to steal votes. In a you-vote-you-die decision coming out of Texas, the federal appeals court ruled that Texas could keep restricting male voting during a deadly global pandemic for people under 65 years of age. That, that Texas, in effect, can say, as the majority decision basically said, well, if you're so dying to vote, you might as well vote to die. So Texas <laughs> prevents its voters from voting safely. Again, this referring primarily to voters who are concerned about their safety because they don't watch Fox News and aren't told all the time that they should just go to the polls and vote, even if it's dangerous. In other words, they're not in the political party that is willing to sacrifice its voters' lives in order to steal another election. So yes, if you are dying to vote in Texas, well, yeah, you may be. That's not all from this week either. And it's been a short week, I might point out, since our last show. The Wisconsin Supreme Court has ruled that mailing of absentee ballots should be paused 
until it decides whether the Green Party nominee should be on the ballot. This, of course, being a crucial decision with the Green Party nominee planning on winning Wisconsin. What the court, of course, has actually said is that it will promise to have decided whether the Green Party nominee gets to be on the ballot as soon as it's too late to send out absentee ballots. So, once again, in Wisconsin as well, if you believe in reality and the deadly global pandemic, in order to vote, you're not going to be able to do so by absentee ballot. You're going to have to show up at the polling places. Again, swinging the vote towards Republicans. But there was some good news in our court watch this week. There's an indication that packing our federal courts with party apparatchiks and criminal scum is not quite finished business. As a federal district court did halt Trump's order to exclude undocumented Americans from the census. Now, this is interesting because this federal district court decision was issued by three, an unusual panel of three district court judges who ruled unanimously against the Trump administration's efforts here. And the interesting part, two of the three judges were George W. Bush appointees. You know, those liberal judges who ruled that it was so obviously illegal what the Trump administration wanted to do that they need not even go to trial on this. Basically issued the equivalent of summary judgment on behalf of those who were suing the President of the United States for violating our laws. The court wrote, and I quote, the merits of the party's dispute are not particularly close or complicated. Well, should we take a sigh of relief that our courts are still working to protect America and uphold the rule of law? Only if you want it to be one of your last sighs of relief. No. This decision does not speak to the integrity of our courts, as the prior decisions that I discussed would illustrate. What this decision illustrates, again, joined by two George W. Bush appointees, is just how incredibly far Trump has gone in his absolute extremism. Just how unbelievably extreme this criminal president and his criminal political party are. Not particularly close or complicated? Well, hold on for a minute. Because when Trump, if Trump gets to steal the 2020 election, we will be filling our courts with people, judges who are extreme enough that it won't have to be close or complicated to rule in favor of our supreme leader. That will just be their job. So much for size of relief. Anyway, snake oil watch. This has become a recurring theme of this show. For the last few weeks, I have talked about snake oil and basically how the Republican Party and Donald Trump and right-wing pieces of shit like him will bitch and moan all the time about he, how people like me don't respect his voters, but how these people's political uh, success is predicated upon them lying to and stealing and destroying their own voters. Snake Oil Watch, whatever it is you need, we'll sell it to you at 
exorbitantly high rates. Well, in our big installment of Snake Oil Watch this week, we've got the President of the United States sitting down for interviews with journalist Bob Woodward, a guy who's famous for already bringing down a president. Well, here, just another non-bombshell bombshell, as the President of the United States admits that he knew about the threat of COVID. He knew how serious it was and he knew how dangerous it was for months while he could continued, continues to tell the American public and by the American public, I mean his moron supporters that there's nothing to worry about. Now, again, non-bombshell bombshell. I talked about this on Forward Nation Radio when frankly news first came out about how the president was informed in february about the extent of the virus but at least people were able to argue that you know this president is a moron and he doesn't listen to briefs he doesn't listen to anything so people might be telling him all this but it may never have penetrated his thick skull in other words the argument went the the president has not been killing people willingly and willfully he's been killing them through his criminal ineptitude and incompetence well it turns out i i i ridiculed that idea from the very beginning but those people who wanted to cling to the idea that the president was just stupid he wasn't an actual murderer well they've even lost that hope at this point trump admitted about his lying to the American public that was resulting in the deaths of tens of thousands of hopefully mostly his supporters. Almost adding humor to this whole pathetic charade was the was Donald Trump's after-the-fact rationale for why he was lying to everybody. His after-the-fact rationale is that he was trying to avoid a panic. I'll let that marinate for just a moment or so. This president was trying to avoid a panic he was putting millions of lives at risks risk and sacrificing the lives of tens of thousands of americans so he could avoid a panic this is the guy of course whose whole presidential race whose whole republican national convention whose whole presidency is about promoting panic. That's the entirety of what... He is the panic president. But, oh, no, we're supposed to believe that it was all about stopping panic. In fact, this is, as I have been reporting, but is now more clear than ever, this is willful murder of American citizens for political purposes. That's what this is. It is willful murder murder because Donald Trump thought it was in his best interests when it comes to getting reelected. Again, the silver lining here is that presumably it is mostly for people who listen to him, although of course the way the pandemic work works, these morons were infecting others. But still, a study was revealed this week on this score about the Sturgis motorcycle rally. Remember, Several weeks back, I've reported on the Sturgis Motorcycle, the largest motorcycle rally ever in South Dakota. This large gathering of riders, it turns out, has become a coronavirus super spreader event. 
Now, who could have seen this happening among the effing morons who were there? It has become a super spreader event. What a surprise. Let's hope they're all Trump supporters and let's hope they're only spreading it to each other. But this is a reminder that people who should care about Donald Trump and the Republican snake oil, they don't and they won't. The people who they are, whose lives they are putting most at risk are the ones who are lining up quickest at the trough for more and more and more snake oil. And yet, as he knowingly puts at risk the lives of these non-mask-wearing, so-called freedom-loving morons. Oh, did I say moron? Oh, I'm not supposed to do that. I might turn some of these people away. They might be turned off by people like me who say they need to do better and turn instead to the people who are murdering them. Remember that Sturgis motorcycle rally from a few moments ago? Well, it turns out, by the way, that it's estimated to cost public health agencies $12.2 billion, with a B, dollars to deal with the health impacts of this super spreader event in South Dakota. And I'm supposed to be worried that they're going to be angry at me? Anyway, people are worried because this latest scandal has pushed off the front pages of our newspapers the sort of most recent big scandal from Trump with the military, with him calling people who died in World War II losers. American military personnel who've, who've died in battle fighting for this country has called them losers. People have been talking about, could, could this be part of Trump's grand strategy to keep as he has been, replacing one scandal with another so quickly that scandals don't get to sink in. And I, while I won't say I'm not worried about the fact that scandals tend to happen so quickly that we don't get to process them as well as we should, my response to this is sort of, I, I think we really need to start getting serious about Donald Trump. I may be wrong, but I again remind from the very beginning I've argued, people who give this guy credit for playing three-dimensional chess with the rest of us are just giving him way too much credit. He doesn't play three-dimensional chess. He doesn't play chess. He doesn't have the mental capacity to play checkers. This is a president of the United States who is capable of nothing other than playing tic-tac-toe, a game that he only gets to win because he plays it with the biggest morons ever to walk upright on planet Earth. We can expect that there will be lots more revelations from the Woodward book. He's had time to sit down with Trump. He's recorded the whole thing. We're getting snippets of them while we continue to digest this first scandal of sacrificing the American public for political gain murdering tens of thousands of his citizens. Uh, one of my favorites, of course, it just came up is apparently Woodward has noted that Donald, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, was speaking to a journalist, a reporter on tape about the super secret weapons system that the United States has. 
And it's just a comical reminder from early on in the Trump administration that the president of the United States cannot be trusted with any national secrets. That the biggest leaker and mole and threat to American intelligence is the president of the United States who could not get security clearance if he have to, had to pass a security clearance test. Anyway, COVID, the GOP murder hasn't ended as we rapidly approach 200,000 American dead, well over 6 million infected. But GOP murder continues to go to this day. It goes beyond Trump. Again, the murderer in his criminal organization is not limited to him. It is the entire criminal organization. News from this week regarding COVID and, and, and the murder of Americans comes from Des Moines and other school districts around this country. Des Moines, Iowa, where a city, basically, where people have to get along with others and actually govern and have some responsibility. In other words, city that tends to vote Democratic and be more liberal or blue, so to speak. Des Moines is, and other school districts around America, are defying their own Republican governors in not opening for business to promote the spread of a virus when they are not in a position to stop it from happening. Des Moines has just said to the Republican governor, no, we are not going to open as you're ordering us to do because we need to protect our citizens. One of the heads of the Des Moines school district pointed out that this is science versus politics. Yes, that's pretty well a good way to sum up the Republican criminal organization and where America is right now. Science for those who believe in it, versus politics. I'll go further. Reality versus whatever shit you can make up on Fox News and its ilk. Or how about governance versus criminal conspiracy to profit off of dead people? Maybe that's the distinction between our two political parties in this country today. So anyway, Donald Trump has really been burnishing his killed more Americans than anybody else in American history numbers, burnishing his claim to the, to the mantle of, of greatest American killer ever. But here I'm, I'm going to build on these discussions of the president of the United States murdering Americans, but I have to sort of give a caveat here. It's kind of a close call here in our Survey of who has killed the most Americans and tallying Donald Trump's numbers for murdered Americans. But there's one area, a tough call here, but I've decided that I'm, I'm, I'm ruling on how to attribute numbers in a way that's going to keep Donald Trump's and his entire criminal organization's numbers down a little bit. Yes, I'm going to hurt his, his efforts to be the, the biggest, the, the murderingest of all Americans of all time. And the close call that I've made is I won't be adding the West Coast wildfires, California, Oregon, Washington. I will not be adding the death toll from these wildfires to Donald Trump's win column. Nope. I mean, sure, he and his criminal organization are responsible for this. 
or responsible for some of this or are responsible for what will be millions of deaths in the future. But in a close call, I've decided I cannot attribute the more than 22,000 fires, way more at this point, the more than record 3.1 million acres burned in California alone. I cannot attribute that particular incident of global warming, of climate change, to Trump or the Republican Party and to their death numbers. I can't add the death numbers to Donald Trump, even though the Oregon Director of Emergency Management is warning of a, quote, mass fatality incident. We don't know how many are dead at this point. They can't get into too many places in order to check. 99% of the state of California was under excessive heat warnings or advisories. 99% of the entire state. Yes, the devastation is so bad that President Trump will visit California on Monday to try to make believe he gives a shit. And he will be briefed on the wildfires. That's what we're being told. He will be briefed on the wildfires. Wow, that must be pretty damn important to stop all of his TV watching in order to brief him on wildfires burning down the entire West Coast of the United States. Of course, to be fair, the briefers will be told that they cannot use the term climate change in their briefs. And by the way, I kind of write that. I don't actually know that, but you want to take bets on this one? You want to take bets that weeks from now it leaks out that we were told that the people who were allowed to brief Donald Trump on the wildfires were explicitly forbidden from mentioning the term climate change like everybody else in the federal government? It's not much of a leap here. Okay, so the floor in my contest, of course, is that you can't attribute any particular climate change deaths to the people who are making decisions to sacrifice millions and millions and millions of people around the world to climate change. Of course, that doesn't mean that the right in this country, the extremist right, cannot attempt to attribute the deaths of climate change to Antifa. And I'm not making this up. It is being spread around right-wing media that Antifa started these wildfires. Uh, do I need to point out that that's not true, by the way? Does anybody out there need me to point out that even our own government is saying, yeah, there's absolutely no truth to that. So these wildfires, we continue to be reported, are continuing to set records. We are told they are among the most devastating ever. In many respects, they are the most devastating wildfires ever in America. In other words, thanks to climate change, they are now the norm. Too bad for Republicans. I can't attribute those. can't figure out how to attribute particular deaths to their, will, to their win column. Anyway, uh, last week I reported upon how the President of the United States uh, murdered Tom Seaver, one of the most famous and revered New York athletes in New York City ever. Um, I, I want to build on that a little bit because there's a lot happening with respect to pro athletes. I have been arguing since the show started to my students, etc., that America has a problem with its role models. We have a problem with the people who we choose to make role models. Starting out, the biggest problem is rich people. Take a look at the president of the United States. We make them role models when more likely they just tend to be shit for the most part. Certainly really, really rich people. But yet we look up to them. 
Well, the same is generally true of athletes, as I've been arguing for a long time. As, when Tom Seaver died, I was kind of reminded of, of, of the perils of looking at athletes as role models. When I was reminded that Tom Seaver has basically lived a life as apparently an upstanding citizen and a real human being. When Tom Seaver led, helped lead the Met, the Miracle Mets of 1969, to an amazing World Series victory, he was joined on the mound of those 1969 Mets by another famous pitcher who carried them along. In fact, won two World Series games. A guy by the name of Jerry Kuzman. When I was very, very, very young, I, for some reason, was more in the Jerry Kuzman camp than the Tom Seaver camp. Maybe because he was a little less famous. He was a little less great. He seemed more of a working class kind of pitcher. Maybe because he was a lefty. I don't know. It turns out that Tom Seaver is lived a life that that is for the most part exemplary and upstanding and 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 suitable for being a role model whereas uh jerry kuzman the guy i loved for for many years it has gone on to fame and glory in his post pitching career as someone who believes that taxes are voluntary and has a problem with paying his taxes or apparently had a problem with paying his taxes at some point in the past i don't remember the specifics of that but of course, the main reason that I've had issues with looking up to pro athletes is that very few of them have ever shown themselves to be informed enough about whatever it is they talk about, thoughtful enough, caring enough to serve as role models and to, to be worthy of influencing the rest of us. We, we just went through, I'd report on a year, two years ago, however long it was, that Kyrie Irving in the NBA, supported by Shaquille O'Neal with, with tweets about the earth being flat. This insanity. And yet, I want to go back and talk about this now, about role models, because right now there are a lot of athletes around, around various sports who are really starting to prove me wrong. Who are starting at least to prove themselves, not really prove me wrong, because I still think we need to be real careful, more careful about who we look up to as role models, but who are starting to show me that maybe athletes really can be leaders in many respects, as long as we choose the right ones to look up to. Here, many have started to lead, as you know, on racial justice. And it's important, I mentioned it, but it's worth an, another a pause and a real call out about the NBA, yes, even the league, and the Milwaukee Bucks, and what they did sitting out games, boycotting games to promote racial justice. I hope that this has tremendous impact for people who are sports fans, particularly for people who are NBA fans. It has led, though, it has leached into other sports leagues, the NHL and others that have boycotted games to draw attention to something, racial justice, that has not gotten enough attention in this country ever, but certainly not in any way, shape, or form since the 1960s when we've gone in the wrong direction. The boycotts, of course, particularly notable and inspiring because it tends to hit them where it hurts. The pocketbook, the money. Said all along, in this case, league owners, basically white people with means, will be dragged along to support the civil rights movement. Many of us will join it because it's the right thing, but the rest of us will join it kicking and screaming because it's affecting their pocketbook. And when you start to make people 
hurt financially, then people are going to find out that they suddenly believe in justice. Like, you know, maybe even the Washington Football Club. I want to give shout-outs here to L.A. Clippers coach and longtime former player Doc Rivers. If you haven't seen the YouTube clip of him uh, responding to calls for fear at the Republican National Convention, you're doing yourself a disservice, and it's worth looking it up. When he says, all you hear is Donald Trump and all of them talking about fear, and we're the ones getting killed, we're the ones getting shot, clearly choking up with emotion. It's amazing why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. I'm so often reminded of my color. It's just really sad. We got to do better, but we got to demand better. You hope that this is having an impact on people who choose to look up to these people as role models, in this case, not inappropriately. Kenny Smith. The NBA on TNT analyst famously walking off the set during the re- during the recording or the playing of a of a ESPN sh- or TNT show NBA on TNT walking off the set This is tough I mean right now my head is ready to explode Smith said like just in the thoughts of what's going on I don't even know if I am if I am even appropriate enough to say it What the players are feeling and how they are feeling. I haven't talked to any of the players. Coming in and even driving here. Getting into the studio. Hearing calls and people talking. And for me, I think the biggest thing now as a black man, as a former player, I think it's best for me to support the players and just not be here tonight. At which point, he takes off his microphone, gets up, and leaves. What what's it say about racial justice in America? As as Kenny Smith reminded me, as I look over what he said, what's it say about racial justice in America when even NBA players, millionaires, are reminded every day of how much they suffer and are made to suffer every day because of the color of their skin? Millionaire black people. I sometimes get students ask me when I'm talking about things like affirmative action and racial justice in my classes. Well, what about black people who are successful and have money? And my response, of course, is, but they're still black. And they're reminded of that every day of their lives. When NBA players suffer, we realize how widespread this is. When corporate America starts to feel it, when corporate America is made to feel it, that is when we will really start to see major change. Of course, as I'm calling out players and and former players for their speaking out in favor of of racial justice, uh, let's go to the WNBA, the Women's Basketball Association, where Renee Montgomery has taken time out, opted out of the 2020 WNBA season and the thoughts that there is work to be done off the court, in her words, there's work to be done off the court in so many areas in our community. Social justice reform isn't going to happen overnight, but I do feel that now is the time and moments equal momentum. Let's keep it going. This is someone who chose to sit out the 2020 WNBA season in order to fight for justice, probably more for people who aren't suffering or suffering more than she is suffering. 
We're reminded it's not even... There, racial justice takes all forms as does protest. Renee Montgomery follows in the footsteps of WNBA star. One of what I understand is one of the greatest WNBA players of all time, Maya Moore, who's sitting out her second season. Her second season to fight for, for freedom. For a, a, a black man who had been mistreated by our justice system and had been wrongly convicted of a crime. Jonathan Irons, 39, who Maya, uh, who, who Maya Moore has fought for, who walked out of prison because of her fighting. Role models that remind us that fighting can sometimes actually lead to good results. A man, Jonathan Irons, who has served 22 years of a 50-year sentence for burglary and assault. Keep in mind, 50-year sentence for burglary and assault. When you see how all these people in the Trump administration and Trump campaign, even before they were pardoned by the President of the United States. What kind of years they were supposed to serve for just, you know, destroying a country and destroying democracy. This almost pains me to do as I, as I call out professional athletes who deserve mention for what they're doing and who inspire the rest of us. Oh my God, the hated Dallas Cowboys. I hate the Dallas Cowboys, in part because I find their owner to possibly be, with the exception of Donald Trump, one of the most reprehensible, rich sons of bitches on the planet, worthless trash. The guy who likes to host other Republican criminals in his, in his luxury box, his owner's box during games. But their quarterback, Dak Prescott, has written a letter and has started speaking out written a letter to the Oklahoma governor, also on behalf of what may be a wrongly convicted inmate. In this case, a man who is on death row. The quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys writing a public letter to the Oklahoma governor to try to get this person justice. Let's hope this draws attention to our criminal justice system writ large. What is the difference between these athletes and flat earthers as we try to remember to pick the right role models? Obviously a couple things. One, they care. They're, they're, they have the ability to look outside of themselves. They have the ability to have some empathy and consider someone who's not just themselves. Something obviously that is lacking from the President of the United States and let's be honest, from a lot of very famous successful athletes. The second thing, of course, that we want to look at is that these are people who've chosen to become informed. They have cared enough about the world around them to get informed. And when they speak, most of them, on these subjects, they speak informedly and intelligently. You don't get to be listened to because you're a pro athlete. You get to be listened to because you are informed and can speak intelligently on a subject and if you happen to be a pro athlete that will make it more likely that people will have the opportunity to listen to you we have a huge risk here still with the amount of hero worshiping we have in america god knows 
the whole Trump phenomenon is freaking cult worship. We sure as hell, intelligent, thoughtful people on the left don't want to emulate that. But it does show the potential to, to be led, to help be led to a better place if we have inspiring role models who are willing to take us there. And a reminder of how nice it might be to have such an inspiring role model in the White House leading the government of the United States of America. A month and a half, people. Anyway, that's our show. Thank you for joining us today. I look forward to seeing you soon. Until then, be well and stay safe and keep spreading around our show if you can. See you soon. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 